one constant through all the years, Ray. Beyond the game. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That is a career ender, just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. Happy Saturday. Thanks for tuning in to the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson, along with Zach Barletta. We're glad to have you with us. And actually, we have a special treat this morning as Zach's brother, Spencer, is with us in studio. Spencer, glad you could be here, and welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, guys. The website is btgprogram.com, and on social media, it's at btgprogram. Studio line is 585-431-1202. Give us a call anytime. We'd be glad to hear your perspective, 585-431-1202. Zach, I have to wonder, what what do you suppose is the right amount of time? The Chargers announced on Thursday that they were relocating the team to Los Angeles. I actually jumped on Google somewhere around, I don't know, 11, 11, 15, because I wanted to see mm-hmm. what was going on in the news. They were Google was already referring to them as the Los Angeles Chargers, Their Twitter had already been changed. The logo had already been changed. Um, It was was funny because all of their, like, digital presence, their Twitter account, their Google search and stuff was all changed and was all ready to go. And then their logo looks like they made it in five minutes before they made the change. Yeah, it's – I – when I first saw it, I'm assuming this is just something they did for Twitter, you know, just to put something out there. And I guess, you know, I I know I'm saying that, but – I, I guess you got to change that stuff. You you know it's going to happen, so you make that change. It's just it's a strange time for me to uh, when it comes to these sorts of announcements. What I mean by that is media was reporting on Wednesday, you know, mm-hmm. a day earlier that the announcement would come on Thursday. So if that's the case, why not just announce it on Wednesday yeah. when? Everybody in the news is reporting. They it. had some guy in the office with a crayon making that logo on Wednesday. That's why they couldn't. Right. So for all I know, that at midnight on Wednesday, that became official. I have no idea when they actually did it. It's the same thing when teams make trades or they sign free agents. It's a day or two you know, after the report first came out when they make an official announcement. And in some cases, it's a, you might in baseball, you might see it on uh, – uh, what's the website we like? Uh, oh, MLB Trade Rumors? Yeah, yeah. You'll see it on there, and then three or four days later, the team will make an official announcement. Mm-hmm. It's sort of anticlimactic. Now, it's not like it, with trades, sometimes a player's got to pass a physical or whatever. I don't think the Chargers had to pass a physical to go to LA. I mean, maybe they should. I don't I, know. I hate it when teams move. I, I, I'll, now I'll admit, I don't understand all the decisions, all the financial considerations that are involved in relocating a team, all the reasons they do it. But it just seems to me there's, there's always a way to figure out avoiding having to rip a team from its fan base, fans that are invested in it. And San Diego fans have been invested mm-hmm. in it for years. But, but to do that, all the parties involved have to be willing to, you know, to give a little, to take yeah. a little. And it seems from what I've read, and again, what do I know? But it seems here like the owner of the Chargers has just frosted so many fannies in San Diego yeah. that they don't want to work with them. So they've dug in their mm. heels. He's dug in his heels. 
and nobody's getting anything done. And what ends up happening is fans are losing their team. Yeah, and L.A. now has two football teams with two of the worst and most hated owners in sports. You know, the other thing is, you you mentioned that. They got two teams. The Rams, the Rams were already there. You know, of mm-hmm. course, the Rams were, they left for St. Louis and they came back to L.A. Aren't the Chargers going to be like the little brother out there? You know, it's think- like in New York, you got the Mets, the Jets, the 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 Brooklyn Nets, the the the, the New York Islanders. Those are all little brother teams. You know, yeah. nobody when the when older brother is winning, nobody pays attention to little brother. You know about this, Spencer. You're the little brother. You <laughs> I've know, experienced it all my life. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that was aren't, never the case because he was the loud one, so he made sure he got attention. But, but in L.A., aren't the Chargers going to be the little? I mean, nobody really wants them. Nobody in L.A. really yeah. wants the Chargers. And from not, what I've, they're heard. not just a little brother to the Rams, but they're like what are they? The eighth or ninth pro sports franchise in L.A. And all the other franchises have been there for a year or more. They all have fan bases. So they're literally the little brother to eight, you know, seven or eight other pro sports teams. Who wants to go see their games? Jimmy Spencer, he's appeared on this program. I think he's with Bleacher Report. Uh, he's been with Fox, follows the NBA closely, but he's in LA now. And he tweeted out that LA now has two football teams, neither one, which the city really wants. They're still, the Oakland Raiders still have the hearts of LA, according to him, and he's out there. And they're probably going to Vegas. And, right. So uh, that's the other thing. Because the Rams came and went and came back, and, and the Raiders came and went, they were connected to LA. Now they're rumored for um, Vegas, as you say. The Chargers are moving. It all seems so temporary out there to me. Mm-hmm. Am I the only one who senses that? It just feels like the Chargers aren't going to last there, but yeah. I, I suppose you wouldn't move there. Unless- and if somehow the Oakland A's are still there, <laughs> go figure. It, it's, I think something we were talking about off the air, too, is you now have two football teams that have been planted into Los Angeles. Neither one of them has a head coach at the moment. Yeah. So, yeah, way to build I, the excitement. I don't the, like uh, it. I suppose anytime a team moves, I don't like it. You get used mm-hmm. to it, but I, I don't like it at first. And it always seems like the, the history gets a little cloudy, you know? Can the L.A. Chargers really claim the history of those great San Diego uh, Charger teams and Dan Fouts teams, you know? Can can they claim that? I The Brooklyn Dodgers and the L.A. Dodgers aren't the same history to me. Right. You know? I, I just— who are really the Cleveland Browns? Are they the current Cleveland Browns, or are they the team that went to Baltimore? And then who are the Colts? Are they the Colts, or are they the team that's in Baltimore? It, it all gets so foggy for me yeah. when a team leaves a city. But who would you rather be this morning? Would you rather be a San Diego Chargers fan or a New York Knicks fan? Would you rather have just lost your team or kind of hope that somebody else claims your team? <laughs> I think I'd rather be an L.A. fan, but holy cow, those are not good options. As a fan, I hate to ask this because you could always find out, and I don't want to find out, but can things get any worse for the New York Knicks? They trade for a guy who, at the time they traded for him, uh, Derek Rose, of course. He's a shadow of of his former MVP self. The guy is uh, in a decline, an injury-riddled career decline. Mm -hmm. And at the time, he was in the midst of a civil trial on charges of sexual assault, yet the Knicks trade for him. Who does that? Mm -hmm. Who who wants that guy? And then then the guy goes AWOL. 
just goes missing. His team's preparing for a game and they have no idea where he is or what's going on. And, you know, he's like a high school kid working a low-wage job at a pizza joint. He just doesn't show up. Well, and mom is texting him to see where he's at and nobody knows. Right, and he doesn't answer. Uh, Rose explains that his refusal to take the team's calls uh, as nothing more than he needed the space to myself and needed to be with my mom. That's a weird explanation. That is me. weird. Now, obviously, basketball is not more important than family. Of course not. You know, and who really knows what's going on? But it doesn't appear as though there was something tragic. It doesn't appear like somebody passed away. At least it doesn't appear that way anyway. And as I say, who really knows? Rose has only told media that his absence was due to a family issue. It had nothing to do with the team or basketball. That's the first time I ever felt like that emotionally I had to be with my family. It's just it's so bizarre. Without Rose, the Knicks suffered one of the worst losses of their season. Carmelo Anthony gets ejected for the third time. Uh, Kylo Quinn is tossed after a flagrant foul. They're just, they're, man, things are bad for the Knicks. How long before they finally just blow that up? Rose returns Wednesday night against the Sixers. They blow a 10-point lead with 2.29 left to play, and they lose to the Sixers. Man, if you can't beat the Sixers, the Sixers, with... If you can't beat them with Derek, what difference does it make if you have Derek Rose or Carmelo Anthony? You don't need these guys. I, Zach, you can put me and you out there, and they lose <laughs> to the Sixers. They get the same result, so they could spend a lot less money on us. The Knicks are 1-9 in their last 10. They look ridiculously bad. I know that the loss to the Sixers and the Bucks were both on buzzer beaters, but you know, think about how bad they would be if they didn't have Kristaps Porzingis. Things would be even worse. They're just Bills fans are all over the internet crying about how bad their team is and how the sky is falling. And I'm convinced now from living here for a little while in Western New York that a little while, it's been 20 some years, that Bills fans are the most negative group of people that I, I know of. It's just a complex. We really do just have a, a, a mental block with the Bills. But the, the Knicks haven't won since 1973. You guys have nothing on that. It, it just, this team just can't seem to get out of its own way. And as you said, I think it's time to blow the thing up. Fire everyone. Fire Jeff Hornacek. Get rid of Phil Jackson. Uh, get rid of Isaiah Thomas. You can't fire the owner, so I guess you're stuck with James Dolan. But Carmelo Anthony has a no-trade clause, but the culture and, and the makeup of the team is in such desperate need of a change that Look, get him to accept a trade. Take a roll of paper towels for him if that's all you can get. But you got to make that trade. Oh, absolutely. I mean, figure it out because you can't beat the Sixers. I mean, if you're going to limp through an NBA season, you might as well. You don't need them to do it. You, you know, might yeah. as well move on. Embrace the tank. We have a lot more to do on this morning's Beyond the Game program. Darlena Gilchrist will join the program. Darlena owns the Christian Basketball League. The CBL is a semi-pro men's league, stepping out in faith. She believed God called her to buy the league in order to minister to families and, and tell people about Jesus. This dear woman bought a men's semi-pro basketball league in order to minister to those men and their families involved in it. I, she'll join us later on in the program. I'm also going to talk about the New York Giants and that ill-advised Miami mini-vacation they went on. After being beat down in the playoffs by their by the Packers, their focus is certainly uh, rightfully questioned. 
We'll discuss that. We'll take a look at focus in light of Scripture. Zach will, of course, bring us his shenanigans statements. I will share with you the most awesome thing I saw this week, as well as what I like that. And we'll see whatever else we can get to today on the Beyond the Game program. You can always find out more about the program. Listen to previous broadcasts right at our website, btgprogram.com. Beyond the Game is mainly a listener-supported ministry. We try not to structure the topics so that they would only appeal to people of faith. We prefer that all sports fans, regardless of their faith interest, would enjoy the show. Yet it is our goal. I mean, we're upfront about it. It's our goal to use sports to introduce the message of Jesus Christ and leave you with something. Perhaps just a little thought here or there for you to consider for yourself. We're not going to say much about it. We'll probably mention it again at the end of the show. But the financial gifts from our listeners is so important in helping us accomplish this goal of reaching thousands of people each week with the message of Jesus Christ. If you feel so led, you can also make a secure donation right there at our website as well. And for that, we will say thank you. I'm Benson. They're both Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. Let me tell you about Town & Country Pest Solutions. They've been in business for nearly three very successful decades. They have the experience to tackle any pest problem, covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown, any place that could pick up this radio station is somewhere Town & Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. Town & Country's technicians are friendly, professional, and most importantly, they're knowledgeable. Bees, wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, call Town & Country. Even raccoons or larger animals, call Town & Country. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't have a bed bug problem? Call Town & Country. Early detection is key when it comes to bed bugs, so if you suspect a potential problem, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today. Town & Country's success rate and their guarantee are both well above industry average. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024 and let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Or visit them online, townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family-owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Darlene Gilchrist is the owner of the Christian Basketball League. The CBL is a semi-pro men's basketball league with teams in major cities like Dallas, Houston, and Memphis. And she joins us now on the phone. Darlena, welcome to the program, and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on. Well, we're glad you could be here. What made you decide to invest in basketball and become an owner of a league? Uh, well, there is nothing usual about um, the way this came about. I um, I originally started as a general manager for a owner of uh, for one of the owners in the and the owner of the league literally reached out to me and uh, by her name is Miss Drake we call her Miss Drake 
And she said she was a friend. She was ready to release it. And God told her to release it to me. Um, it took me a minute to say yes. Um, so I prayed about it. And I went ahead and decided to invest in, to get into it because I saw it as a another avenue for ministry. It's unusual, I would think, for a woman to be the owner of a basketball league. Has it been challenging for you in any way to lead where the teams are made up of men? Uh, it's been challenging at times. It's been extremely challenging because men, men do, um, they do look at me as a female, as a woman, you know, even in the Christian basketball league. So yeah, it's been quite challenging with some of the men, but, um, they're conforming, they're, they're still getting used to it. <laughs> but yes, it's going to be a challenge. In talking to you a few weeks ago, your passion for the Savior was very apparent. What are some of your ministry goals with the league and, and some of the things that you'd like to see God accomplish through you and the league? Uh, my ministry goal is, is that I am first and foremost a minister. I'm a woman of prayer. Um, and when I got into it and I began to go to some of the games and start to interact with some of the men, I, my spirit began to get grieved and have a lot of compassion for me. Because I realized a lot of them are in it for, uh, for contracts, but then there's so many broken men. And then when you look at the church, you really don't see many men. So I thought as a way to bridge the gap between men and ministry. Because in this league, you do have to be, um, you have to be linked to a church. You have to be linked to a ministry. So I saw that as a, another avenue of ministry, uh, avenue of outreach and to bring healing and deliverance to the men that come just to use basketball for an escape. For that weekend or for that week or however they, they're trying to escape, but that's what I'm using it for, this league is for. We're talking with Darlena Gilchrist. She's the owner of the Christian Basketball League. Let's talk a little bit about the league itself. How many teams are in the league and when does the season start and end? We, at this moment, because we're just not starting back up, this is my uh, first full season, at the moment we have uh, maybe 9 or 10, and the league, the season starts March 18th, and it ends in July. I know there are teams throughout the South, places, as I mentioned, Dallas, Houston, there's San Antonio, New Orleans, Miami, I think I saw. Are there any teams up in the North, or do you have plans to expand into the North? Um, I do have plans to expand into the north. Um, and like I said, nothing about this is, is usual. It is uh, usual for me. So yes, I do plan on expanding. I'm in talks now with the team um, to link up to join with us. So yes, sir, we are trying to expand. I've been involved in sports ministry, Darlena, for many years, and I know men's basketball presents some unique ministry challenges because of the physicality of the game itself. You know, when you get elbows flying around, you get bodies bumping up under the rim, and men can quickly escalate. They can start getting a little amped up there. Do you have rules in place to protect the integrity of the league and its Christian influence? Uh, yes, we do. We have rules in place. We have bylaws. There are consequences where if you get into your feelings and you get attitude and begin to get a little violent, there are consequences. And there, are, um, there, there are certain protocols that you have to follow. Um, there is a penalty if you have done it once, and if it takes place twice, you are literally kicked out of the game. So, yeah, there are guidelines that I've always in place to protect the integrity of the league and uh, the Christian foundation. You mentioned a few moments ago that all the players have to be connected to a church or at least connected to a ministry. 
Uh, do you think most of the players in your league, would you believe them to believe or be believers in Christ? Uh, the majority of them, I would say, yes. Um, like I said, I'm, it's, it's a lot of broken men, and they're seeking for healing, and they're seeking so basketball is in their way. So, yes, they'll believe you get, you know, you got fans, you got coaches, you got referees. You take an opportunity at games or at uh, CBL events to share the gospel. In this season, like I said, I just got it um, from an owner. But in this season, there will be ministry before and after every game. Um, even during the break time, or you know, there will be ministry in between. Yes, I do. Uh, that's exciting. Once again, we're talking with Darlena Gilchrist of the Christian Basketball League. Darlena, how did you first become a Christian? Can you share the circumstances where you first responded to the call of Christ and accepted Him as your Savior? Oh, uh, sure. Uh, my mother kept my mother kept us in church all our lives, um, but at one point she broke away, and I have come from a broken home, extremely broken home. Mm. So I've always known about God, and I've always loved Him, and I always knew that pray and talk to Him. But a uh, time came to where life circumstances got hard. Um, I dealt with rape, I dealt with molestation, I dealt with so much, and um, also the betrayal of my own mother to where she decided she didn't want me. So at the age of 16, the Lord literally called me to the altar and began to just minister to me. So at the age of 16, I gave, I gave time my life, and it's been challenging, and it's been hard, but God has been real, and He's been true. Well, amen. Do you have any specific areas of prayer that we can keep in remembrance for you? Yes. Please pray that I um, put the right people in position um, and that they have the heart of these men, heart for souls, period, um, and ministers that are, are, are Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, and ready to see the kingdom of God be shown in, in the basketball arena. Well, Jolena, I want to thank you for coming on. I, I have a special place in my heart for sports ministry. As you probably know, I think it's very exciting. A Christian basketball league, semi-pro basketball league. I wish you all the right. best. And once your season gets started, we'll, you know, I, I'd like to check in with you again and, and see how things are going. So once again, thanks for coming on with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. We've been talking with Darlene Gilchrist. She's owner of the semi-pro Christian basketball league. A woman in a man's league, being obedient to the to what she believes God has called her to do. I wanted to have her on. Can you imagine as a woman being in that situation? Wouldn't you question God's call? You know, am I hearing you right, Lord? You want me to own and operate a, a men's semi-pro basketball league? It's amazing who and what God is able to use for his glory when we are willing to be used, and, and we step out on faith and just trust Him. Praise the Lord for faithful servants like Darlena. Let's make it a point to lift her up and support her in prayer. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. You're listening to Beyond the Game. Here's the Red Hawks report for this week, January 14th, 2017, presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Congratulations to Roberts' Chelsea Hayward. She's been named the ECC Women's Indoor Track Athlete of the Week for the second time this season. At the recent Wagner Invitational in Staten Island, Hayward finished second in both the 60-meter and 200-meter dash. The competition featured a number of D1 schools, and in fact, in both events, Hayward's finish was sandwiched between two girls from UConn. 
Another Robert Brenner, Kathleen Amstad, finished strong with a 15th place finish in the 200-meter dash. The women's track and field team will go again this Saturday at the RIT Invite. Also receiving accolades this week was Robert's men's basketball freshman guard, Isaiah Lewis. He was named the ECC Basketball Rookie of the Week. Like Hayward, this was Lewis's second time with the honor. However, the Red Hawks men were tripped up on the road at LIU Post 86-64. Sophomore Zach Panabianco scored 17 points, while junior Manny Joseph recorded a double-double with 11 points and 13 rebounds. It was a tough week all around, though, for Red Hawks basketball as the women also fell at LIU Post 89-76. Junior guard Brooke Fields pacing Robert scores with 25 points. Unfortunately, the ladies lost again Tuesday night against Southern New Hampshire University 77-71. Freshman Taya Andrews had 17 points and Brooke Fields added 16 for the Red Hawks. Both the men's and women's Red Hawks basketball teams will be back in action later today, Saturday, January 14th, as they host the New York Institute of Technology. Start time for the women is 2 p.m., and the men will tip off at 4. That's your only opportunity this week to see the Red Hawks at home at the Baller Athletic Center until next Saturday when the men will be back in action. And there you have it, the Red Hawks report for this week, January 14th, 2017. The Red Hawks Report is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. You can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Red Hawks Report, presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know an athlete whose participation in athletics is vital to their college choice? Then consider telling them about Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We field 17 varsity sports and offer the only NCAA D2 program in Greater Rochester. Our teams have won six conference titles and reached three NCAA national championship appearances. Help the athlete you know to take their game to the next level. Visit roberts.edu. Welcome back into Beyond the Game, recording in the BTG studios in Rochester, New York, btgprogram.com or at BTG program. One of the mantras, Zach, which I try to live by, is to keep a balance in everything I do. I try not to get too excited. I try not to get too down about anything. I do my best not to overindulge in any one thing, and I, I, I really don't want to over-sensationalize things. I don't want to over-represent something. And I guess I guess for that matter, I don't want to underrepresent it either. You've probably gone to movies where everybody was talking it up. I'm sure you have. And so you built this thing up in your mind, and you built it up so high that by the time you actually saw the film, it didn't measure up to the expectation which you created in your mind. And I try not to be that person that overtalks something or undertalks something and contributes to that image. Sports networks, though, talk radio shows, they engage in such activities routinely. In fact, it's kind of unusual should they actually give a, a balanced perspective to a story. Though I suppose in reality, that's probably not as good for ratings. They regularly have their hosts arguing differing, differing viewpoints, and they, they argue it real aggressively. Regardless of what those hosts may actually think, they're given opposite opinions, and they argue them columnists, they'll take a story and they'll go run with it to the farthest extreme that that story could possibly go. Sometimes it's on us, the reader, it's on us, the listener, the the viewer, to kind of build that balance and, and find the truth there. 
An example might be CNN and Fox Sports are on opposite, or Fox Sports, Fox News are on opposite ends of the spectrum, and uh, both are reporting the same story. Both are giving a different view of it. The truth is probably the somewhere in the middle. There's a balance there. Another example was last week when members of the New York Giants were spending time on a boat in Miami. It's their off day leading up to the playoff game against the Packers. Since that time, there have been few reports in the media that didn't think this was either the worst possible thing that the players could do or which didn't think it was completely innocent and that it's outrageous to make anything of it at all. Now, look, uh, I'm fairly level-headed about things. I try to find the I'm balance. I'm fairly level-headed, Blue. So while I don't think it had all that much to do with while the Giants lost, I do think it had a little something, or maybe it was a symptom of that something which did have uh, did have some play in why the Giants, or have some role in why the Giants lost. First things first. How much can an employer really tell an employee what they can do on their day off? Now, I know we're talking about sports, and they do have clauses in their contracts about motorcycle riding, hang gliding, dangerous activities. You know, if they do their these sorts of things, contract can be voided, uh, monies can be lost. But can an employer really tell an employee they can't go out of town and hang out on a beach? Does an employer really want to put themselves in a position where they're splitting hairs, they're picking what reasons a player can leave town and what reasons they can. I mean, it's not uncommon for players to leave town to go see their wives, to go see their families wherever it is they live. Of course, there are some that do think that an employer has that right, but I I disagree. If these guys wanted to go to Miami, and obviously they did, and hang out on a boat with Justin Bieber and a couple of rappers, well, that's up to them. It's their call. Now, if they do make that call, I think it's a terrible call, but it's their call to make. That said, you didn't hear about Aaron Rodgers, Le'Veon Bell, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, or any other high-level veteran player being on a boat in South Beach. You didn't hear about that. There were a number of Giants players who made that trip to Miami, but Odell Beckham Jr. is the name you hear. In particular, that guy draws a level of attention which few athletes do. And no doubt, this looks bad. When you decide to go to Miami days before your first ever playoff game, hang out in a high-profile manner with celebrities, and like it, you know, you may agree or disagree, but Justin Bieber and these rappers, there's some degree of celebrity there. And where there are drugs on the boat, I should add. Posing for photographs with your shirts off. And then you go out and underperform by dropping passes in key situations. I mean, it looks bad. People are definitely going to have something to say about it. You choose to go to Miami. You choose to do that. People are going to have an opinion. But it's not why the Giants lost. There didn't be, I didn't see in any of these pictures any defensive backs on that boat. And that group maybe had the worst day of all against the Packers. It wasn't just the wide receivers. This was a team effort that they lost, or, or maybe lack of effort. In my opinion, going into this game, the Giants were a flawed team. You know I'm a Giants fan. You know I root for them. I follow them. They beat teams all season that they needed to, as well they should. But against the better competition, 
they didn't, they weren't able to pull out wins. I know they beat the Cowboys twice. They beat the Lions, who were another playoff team. There's a couple of wins in there. But it really, as against the better teams, they weren't consistently finishing off drives. While the defense played, they played really well most of the season. The defensive backs were sensational in particular all season long. That is up until Sunday. But for all the star power that they had on offense, they just weren't good enough consistently enough. They'd move the ball downfield and come away with a field goal. As Steve Young used to like to say, that's not getting three points. That's leaving four out there. And I agree. They, you can't be finishing off drives against good teams by settling for three points. You've got to stick it in the end zone. You need to convert touchdowns, especially in the playoffs. The Giants were playing arguably the hottest team going into the playoffs in the Green Bay Packers. And they weren't going to be able to beat them dropping passes and settling for field goals. So the loss can't be pinned on players who spent their off day on a boat in Miami. You can definitely question the decision making, especially with drugs present. Now it's great that they didn't partake, obviously. But why they didn't get themselves immediately out of there is beyond me. No professional athlete should even allow themselves to be closely associated, not in the area, with them, with, with drugs, not even around them. Get out. It's foolish to just, to, yeah, great, you declined it, but it's foolish to stay there. Get yourself out of there. I think of Joseph in, in the Bible when Potiphar's wife came on to him and he just ran. He fled, left his, left his coat there. I don't know what else. He went running. When he was faced with temptation, he got out. But I don't believe that being on this boat didn't have at least a little something to do with the loss. As I said earlier, you didn't see guys like Le'Veon Bell or Aaron Rodgers there. And the games that they had this last weekend, they'd suggest that they were pretty locked in, completely focused. And I realize different people, well, they, they unwind different ways. But should you really be unwinding? I know Beckham is a high-strung player, but playoff opportunities don't come around every year. Perhaps they should be focusing on something apart from relaxing and unwinding. The Giants' defense, they've played so well all year long that if the offense could get locked in and play the kind of game that they're capable of playing, maybe they could go on one of those crazy Super Bowl runs that previous Giant teams have been known to do. Speaking of Beckham, Giants linebacker Jonathan Casillas said that he knew that if the team had a bad game, it was going to come back to Beckham and the boat party. Everybody knew that. Look, they knew, you, you, you make that decision, you have a bad day, it's coming back on you. But, but Casillas adds, I don't question his focus and I don't question his loyalty to the team either. I, you know, I can't speak to his loyalty. Uh, I've for all, I'm sure he's loyal. Why, why wouldn't he be? But like a lot of people, I do question the focus. And maybe it's as simple as he's so young, he hasn't learned how to focus in. You know, you, you see him get emotional on the field. We've seen him lose control. Well, that's a result of a lack of concentration. But it can't happen in the playoffs. It can't happen against your better teams. 1 Corinthians 9.25 says, Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. 
They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. A, a wreath would, would have been the prize. It would have been, the, you know, the trophy of the day. You're not playing. You're not competing to win that. An athlete needs to exercise self-control if they're going to win that prize. They decline things that they, they may be fine, you know, of themselves, you know, they, but they got to turn them down because those things, while they may be fine, are going to hinder them in reaching their goal. Athletes don't sit on the couch all night long watching TV and eating ice cream. They put extra hours of work in on the practice field while others are taking it easy. Their friends are going out for, for pizza and soda and wings, but they're going out to put a little extra work in the weight room. It's a sacrifice that they make. Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, telling them that they need to do the same thing. And sometimes, in an effort to win the prize, we have to give up things that aren't necessarily bad things, but they're going to keep us from reaching that prize. For believers in Christ, the pursuit is not just a, a championship wreath, a championship trophy, the, the bonus check that comes with it. Christians, ch Christians chase a much more important goal. Christians chase an imperishable crown, a heavenly reward that will never pass away. In another letter Paul wrote, this time to the church in Philippi, Paul's a prisoner, and yet he's still deeply concerned for these these churches. That's why he's writing these letters. He's writing to Philippi, telling them that he's looking forward to seeing them. But until he can, he's sending Timothy in his stead. Philippians 2, 19 and 20. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. Did you catch that? Paul's anxious to learn how they're doing. But he says that Timothy's the only one who's on the same page as he is and, and, and it's genuinely concerned for them as he is. Verse 21, he says, For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. Paul was so focused and locked in on the advancement of the gospel that even being incarcerated didn't distract him from his heavenly pursuits. And here he says he's sending Timothy because unlike the others, he has that same focus. The others were seeking after their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. You see, they weren't completely focused on the welfare of the church, so completely focused so that the message of Christ would be spread around the world. They weren't, they didn't have that same goal. They didn't have that same focus. Paul and Timothy not only wanted to see people dedicate their lives to Jesus, but they wanted to see them growing in the faith, growing strong each day. And the Bible doesn't tell us, but the others were probably more focused on their own reputations or whether or not there was money in it for them or possibly how much influence they would gain. Their own comfort can often, often affect how diligently Christians pursue righteousness. Their own comfort often affects how aggressively they pursue the lost in order to share in order to share their need of salvation. Ask yourself, how many times have I shared the gospel this week or this month or within the last year? Why haven't you? Well, because you don't want to be mocked. You don't want to be put, you don't want to sacrifice your comfort. You don't want to be in a situation where somebody's disagreeable or confrontational. Those situations are uncomfortable. And our own comfort often affects how aggressively we pursue righteousness or how aggressively we pursue the lost. 
People can allow their comfort to not only keep them from sharing Christ with others, but from coming to Christ in the first place. Many people don't come to Jesus because they think they have to they have to give too much up or or they already have everything they need. They may or may not be wealthy, but they're comfortable, they're content. They wonder why they would need Christ. They've obtained for themselves everything it is that they think they need for a comfortable life. Paul said in Philippians that if anyone had a reason to be distracted by their comfort, it was him. Philippians 3.4 says, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Paul was a man's man. He was a descendant of Abraham. He was of the tribe of Benjamin, a distinguished tribe. He was a Pharisee. He was well-educated in the law. In fact, he not only persecuted the church before he came to Christ, he did it with a great zeal. Paul was a popular guy. He had everything. Philippians 3, 7, though, Paul writes, But whatever gain I had, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. Paul gave it all up. He came to a place in his life where he was face to face with Jesus. He came to a place where he considered his own eternity. He considered the weight of his own sins. And he placed his faith and his trust in Jesus Christ. And he'd been focused and locked in ever since. Paul wasn't going to be chilling on a boat with wrappers somewhere along the Mediterranean shore. He had a goal. He was pursuing heavenly rewards, not for his own sake, but for Christ's sake and for the glory of God. So let me ask you, believer, believer, or or let me ask you, even if you're not a believer, what distracts you from pursuing God with everything you have? Is it your own comfort? What is it that you're focused on which keeps you from moving closer to God? I'm Rick Benson. I want to thank you for listening. As with anything you hear on our program, You can reach out to us through our website, through our studio line. BTGprogram.com is where you can find us. If there's anything we can do to help you learn more about being a Christian, or even if you just want somebody to pray for you, send us a note. We'd be honored to be there to help you. You're listening to Beyond the Game. It's here. Ram Sports Network. Christian Sports Television. That's right. Christian Sports Television. Ram Sports Network is the first Christian sports TV channel with programming from Pee to the pros. Games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, Western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network. More than a game. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. And now it's time for the most awesome thing I saw this week. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of the I don't believe what I just saw. Yes, that's awesome. There are a number of videos where college walk-on athletes get surprised with scholarship offers. 
Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure anyone that I've seen has ever gone to the lengths that Michigan's coaching staff went this past week in order to surprise one of their players, in this case, Andrew Dakich. The poor kid got to experience emotions, I, I mean, on either end of the spectrum, to the farthest extent. First fear and fright, and then joy and relief. In, in a video making its way through social media, campus police can be seen interrupting a team meeting in order to escort Dakic to the compliance office, at which point the guy's heart is racing. But then they announce the real reason. We're going to play the audio clip for you so you can hear the awesomeness for yourself. Sorry to bother you, Coach. We've got to talk to one of your players. Okay. Andrew? Andrew Dockage? Dockage? Yeah. See her? Yeah. At this point, the kid's heart's got to be going. Oh, yeah. It's come to our attention that your conduct on campus is related to a number of ongoing investigations. Uh, Your involvement in such matters will require your immediate presence in front of the university compliance office right now. Okay. Please grab your hat and coat. You'll be escorted (laughs) to the compliance office. Upon there... You'll sign the papers to be awarded a full men's basketball scholarship for the 2017 winter tournament. Oh, man. That is so good. That is well done. <laughs> Most awesome thing Awesome thing I saw this week. The best part of that was he just goes, okay. Yeah, because, <laughs> I mean, he's got to be like so scared. What did I do? Where am I going? The pol- police are here. investigations. I just got here. Absolutely. Here's Zach Barletta to take us through some of his shenanigan statements for this week. All right. Number one, Alabama losing to Clemson in the title game is as big a story as the Cubs winning the World Series. Shenanigans. Alabama hadn't quite yet gotten to the level of futility that the Cubs had experienced. You know, a couple of things about this. One, if these two teams play a best-of-seven series, I think Alabama wins that series in, in five or six games. Now, you know, I, listen, I'm not trying to – it's not an illegitimate championship or anything. Good for Clemson. They did what they had to do. They're an extremely good team. But Alabama is still the standard, in my opinion, and that game didn't really change anything, though I give credit – to Clemson, they're they're a great team, and they are this year's champion. They did what they had to do, but neither their winning nor Alabama's losing is a big story to me. I say shenanigans as well. The, the point that you make is kind of why I asked the question this way: that Alabama was such a big favorite. You know, everyone expected them to win. You know, the joke was made when Clemson won to secure their spot in the game that, oh, congratulations to Clemson on being the team that gets to lose to Alabama this year. You know, and. And especially if you watch the first half of that game, Clemson winning it was quite a shock. So, you know, it, it was a big upset. It was very surprising, but yeah, it's not on par with the Cubs. No, and I thought Clemson was really the only team that had a shot at beating Alabama. Mm-hmm. And, of course, while Ohio State, I probably said the same thing about them and said the same <laughs> thing about others. But, Spencer, you got anything you want to add to that? I'm actually going to go the opposite way just a little bit. You think um, it was as big a story as the Cubs? In a shocker, maybe it's a little bit because of where I'm from now. Being from here and now living in Virginia, uh, was not real, real into college sports when I was here, but college football is life in the area that I was from. And I know every single person I knew was watching it. I also come from a fam- family of divided Clemson and South Carolina fans. So it was a really big deal. And I saw something about it being like 40,000 days and, you know, since 1905 that Clemson has, has beat, uh, Alabama. So 
maybe not as big of a sport or maybe not as big in this area, but I know at least uh, for some of the people I'm surrounded by, it was one of the biggest things. It's to a longer drought than the Cubs in had. a long time. So against Alabama, it was. Well, yeah. yeah. Number two, Deshaun Watson's epic second half performance against Alabama in that game is proof that the Bills should make him their first round pick. Normally, I let you go first for the second one, but you you're you know the Bills needs better than I do, so I'm going to go ahead and answer, and I say <laughs> shenanigans. Although maybe I, I don't know. The number of interceptions bothers me. Um, I, you know, this guy was the leader for the Heisman going into the season, and he didn't have a great early part of the season, and that bothers me a little bit too. You know, is he really ready to be a number one pick? Um, I, I'm not sure. I do like his leadership skills, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know that a first round pick. I I say shenanigans. As well, I think he could be a very good NFL quarterback. I don't want him for the Bills because if the Bills pick him in the first round, that means he's going to be the starter because that means Tyrod Taylor is gone. And you know I don't watch a lot of college football during the season. I watched half of that game, and what I saw was him playing almost exclusively out of the shotgun and the pistol. And I want a quarterback who's playing under center in college and can run a professional-style offense. So... I don't want him to be the day one starter like he would be in Buffalo. So for that reason, I'll say shenanigans. Spencer, anything you want to add? Not much. I'm pretty much in agreement with you guys. Um, well, we're very bright here on this program. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, not a whole lot to add. I would say that there are probably other needs before a first-round quarterback. There's a Mike Williams. There's a wide receiver opening. Uh, a few other things that might be available. Even your know, same team, go with somebody um, I'm a I'm a Tyrod Taylor supporter, so I'm thinking there are probably bigger needs to go with before that. I was that's what I was going to say. I would definitely take his teammate Mike Williams in Harvey. Absolutely. All right, Zach. Next statement. Number three is also tied to the Bills. This week, the Jacksonville Jaguars hired former Bills head coach Doug Marone as their new head coach. Truth or shenanigans? Marone and the Jaguars will make the playoffs before the Bills do. Why don't you go ahead and go first on this one? I say shenanigans, but only because I'm going to go out on a limb and say they both make the playoffs next year. All right, so it's a trick question for you. I actually agree. I, <laughs> they they have a lot of talent in Jacksonville. They really, really do. Many picked them as a surprise playoff pick this year. I think you might even have been one of them. Um, it's not going to be a surprise to me if they make the playoffs. Things didn't go the way they wanted. Mm-hmm. They, they got a lot of pieces. They're not far off. So do the Bills, I think. The, to me, yeah. the Bills have more questions, though, than do the Jaguars, which mm-hmm. is why I think um, I think the Jaguars will get there first. But I'm not as doom and gloom about the Bills as all our friends around here are. No, no, I don't no. think they're There's a all lot of that pieces far there. off either. I, I agree with you. There are a lot of pieces. But I think Jacksonville is closer. Any thoughts? Really, really could go either way. Both teams, I feel like, are right on the precipice of of being playoff teams, being being really good teams. I'm going to go with the homer pick and say I hope that it's the Buffalo Bills first. Last but not least, ESPN.com ran a story this week proclaiming that the Colorado Rockies will be the surprise team of 2017. Truth or shenanigans, ESPN got it right. I say shenanigans. They didn't get it right because I don't <laughs> think it would be all that much of a surprise, to tell you the truth. The Colorado Rockies scored a lot of runs last season. I, I realize they play their home games in Coors Field, but they have some offense. They've got some terrific young players, Trevor Story mm-hmm. uh, among them, uh, David Dahl. If the pitchers can afford, uh, avoid the big inning, you know, in mm-hmm. that thin air next season, if they can avoid putting up those crooked numbers, I, I think Colorado's 
can contend. Why not? Heck, right now they got as good a record as anybody else. So, yeah, why not? Yeah. You guys know I've talked about it on the show that I'm something of a, a Rockies fan. I guess they're my National League team. I got my Rockies hat on to support tonight. But I really think the Rockies could be the Toronto Blue Jays of the last few years where everyone in that lineup could kill you. And they have some good young pitching on the way. We've seen John Gray strike out a whole lot of hitters at the major league level already. There's more guys on the way. Jeff Hoffman got a cup of coffee this year. I think they're going to score a ton of runs. They might have just enough pitching to get it done and get into the playoffs. So I, I, I agree. I, you're exactly right. I And, and it's avoiding the big inning. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the problem for them. Spencer, what do you think about the Rockies? Got to go with truth. Uh, gonna go. Uh, I guess technically opposite you, but you rewrote the question there a little bit. But um, I, I agree. I think that uh, that they have a lot of potential. I was doing a little bit of reading. You guys have mentioned story, the pitching. I read some about the outfield and some other things that are going to look good, hopefully, this upcoming year. So, truth. Conveniently, you've got your Colorado Rockies hat on mm-hmm. so that we could talk about this. Absolutely. Well done, you. Each week, we like to present you with something we found especially praiseworthy. A week or so ago, former Florida State head coach, uh, former Florida State head football coach, I should say, Bobby Bowden, he appeared on ESPN's Mike and Mike program promoting the release of a new book. In fact, I don't think last week there was a a show that he didn't stop on to promote his book. (laughs) He was all over the place. Bowden talked about doing devotions with the players and trying to share the Bible with them. He talked about how he wanted them to be the best that they could be and how he wanted to help them towards that end. But Bobby Bowden set off a liberal media firestorm when he began talking about how many of his former players were raised without a man in the home. Bowden said, quote, My last years at Florida State, 65 or 70 percent of my boys did not have a daddy at home. They were raised by mamas, sweet old mamas, thank God for them mamas, or grandmama. Many times it was a grandmama or big sister or aunt, but where's the man? A boy needs a male figure, and the girls do too. The awkward part, though, guys, was when he talked about how they would grow up and want to be a man like their mama so they would wear earrings, to which he added, I'm just kidding about that, but people hear what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. And and many reports that I've seen don't contain the part where he explained, I'm joking about that. Mm-hmm. Many of us have told jokes, you know, and as soon as you get the joke out, you just know this is yeah. not going over well. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish I hadn't said that. But, um, you know, I, I was saying to my family just the other night that uh, growing up, I wish I had had a, a father who was had a role in my life, was involved in my life. I didn't have that, and, and I miss it. But I'm I'm grateful for the mother who raised me, and really fulfilled both roles. So those are not mutually exclusive. Appreciating the 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 woman and and, and missing a dad. God's perfect design is a, both a mother and a father in the home. Unfortunately, it doesn't always happen that way. But ripping an 87-year-old man and dismissing him as being old and senile and laughing at him, that's what I find truly offensive. But as for Bowden, the things uh, that they were missing in their haste to rip on him and scorn him was his investment as his players, his Mm -hmm. willingness to share on ESPN of all places how he would share with them from God's word. And it's what I like this week. Uh, what I liked this week was a little boy that was on the NHL Network who 
had a loose tooth that was ready to come out. So we tied it to, I think, a street hockey ball or a hockey puck. And then he hit a slap shot and it pulled his tooth out. And you could just see his face. You see, for a second, he's testing it out to see, is it gone? And then it's gone. And then he jumps up and down. He's got his arms up. And he was so happy that he took his tooth out with a slap shot. So that was what I liked this week. You like that? You like that? That was incredible because you could see the his mouth starting getting red and, mm-hmm. and it, the blood is that's gross i know it sounds gross <laughs> but it's hot this little kid was so into it as he's like yeah you know the, the blood's coming out oh. <laughs> spencer what do you like this week going back to the well a little bit of the clemson and alabama game what i like this week is alabama coach nick saban uh, i saw a clip and read a little bit about him hunting around the entire field to find uh, Clemson coach Dabo Sweeney to congratulate him on the win. Uh, I think that, that that exemplifies a lot of class. We've seen things like any, even NFL coaches refuse to shake hands with the other team and, and things like that. So I thought it was uh, I thought it was a lot of class, and that was what I liked this week was watching Nick Saban go all around the field that was cluttered to find Dabo Sweeney and congratulate him on the big win. As we approach the end of our program, I would be remiss if I didn't at least ask Zach a little bit the Bills have a new head coach, Sean McDermott from the Carolina Panthers, mm-hmm. defensive guru. What are your thoughts on that? I'm excited about it. Um, he, he will bring, as we often see when a coach is fired, he will be the opposite of Rex Ryan. He will be the disciplinarian. He won't be running his mouth like Rex often did. Uh, the defense will be good like Rex's wasn't. Um and I will be even more excited about the hire if he can get Mike McCoy to come and be his offensive coordinator, as we've heard rumored. Um, Mike McCoy is a guy who who tailors his offense around the players that he has and plays to their strengths. The Bills could really use some of that, but I'm a big fan of the hire, and uh, hopefully we could talk more about it next week. Now, I thought Anthony Lynn was the front runner. What happened there? Do you have any insights? Um, he would have been the easy choice, um, but... Doug Whaley was getting to hire a coach for the first time in his tenure here, and he went with the guy that he thought was the best football decision, and um, we'll see how it pans out. It looks like Lynn might not get a head coaching job anywhere. I thought he was in the – by the time this show airs, I mean, L.A. may have announced its hirings, but isn't he a leading candidate for both of those positions out in L.A.? He's had second interviews, so best of luck to him. I hope he gets one. This is the thing about the Rooney rule that drives me crazy, and maybe I'm going to get ridiculed for saying this, but it seems so, you know, he's on there, and he's a great coach, and, and I, I liked him for Buffalo. I, I'd like to have him. I'd like to still have him on the team, but is he getting an interview because he's black and fulfills the Rooney rule or because he's a good guy? This guy needs a job in the NFL and, and not because he's just a black guy. I want to thank you for listening to Beyond the Game. Let me just remind you, our show is listener-supported. If you enjoy the program, you support our mission to use sports to present the message of Jesus to thousands of people each week, then perhaps you'd consider partnering with us financial. Visit our website, btgprogram.com, if you'd like to pledge a gift. But know this, if you think that Christians just want your money, we don't. Keep your money. This is for people of faith who share the same burden we have. For Zach Barletta, for Spencer Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week, right here at the same time. Be great this week, everybody. 